It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 147, entitled Check Buttons and Radio Boxes. It was published on Tuesday, the 26th of January, 2021. We're joined today, as always, by Paul Lacey, but also this week we've got Birgit Powley-Hack. Well, there's an awful lot to talk about in the WordPress space this week. We start off with the fact that Joe Biden's administration has decided to use WordPress for the White House website, continuing a tradition starting in 2017. We also talk about the full site editing outreach program and what it means. That was a large part of our discussion this week. How can you get involved and what does it all mean? We also talk about Gutenberg Times and a webinar that Birgit is running along with some of her friends. Next we move on to an article by David McCann all about using oxygen and about how David's content is the real deal. And then we talk about Pods Pro. This is a really interesting pricing structure and model for the pro version of Pods. Find out all about that. We talk about the fact that WordFence have decided to offer free word fence scans and cleans for schools in the US. And finally, we're talking about a podcast episode that we did on WP Builds about cancelling WordCamp Europe in 2020. All coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you this week by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is, it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress Block Editor. Check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello there. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you might be. It could be the evening, in fact, I suppose. It's uh, This Week in WordPress, one more time. Every, every Monday we do this, we have a chat with some people in the WordPress space about all of the things that have happened related to WordPress. Well, I say all of the things, some of the things that we've discovered during the previous week. Just a couple of bits and pieces before I actually introduce this week's guests, if that's okay. We've got... Um, head to wpbuilds.com forward slash live. That's using YouTube. So you need to be logged into Google uh, in order to get comments over there. Plus, if you're in our Facebook group, which is at wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, the posts should be appearing over there as well. And you can make comments. I know that many of you uh, realize this is me regurgitating the same old stuff, but nevertheless, quite handy to, to, to say it. And just to say that we're covering the WordPress news for the week commencing the 18th of January, 2020. So this week, as always, I'm joined by Paul Lacey. Hello, Paul. Hello, good to see you again. We've been talking all week. Yeah, we really all have week, been anyway. talking yeah. a lot this week. And uh, do you want to give us your elevator pitch, your newly formed elevator pitch? I haven't really got one. Um, I guess I guess at, the, at this transitional moment, I'm an independent WordPress consultant. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That'll do for the moment. We're waiting until I've got a new you. until I've got a new website. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. just carry that. Yeah. And warm welcome to the very first, for the very first time, uh, to Birgit. Now, please forgive me if I butcher your surname, because we established what your first name was, but I'm going to say Pauli Hack. That's perfect. Hello, oh. everybody. Hi. Now, um, I'm trying to do this a little bit more professionally, so I'm going to read out, and then you can correct me if, I've, if any of this has changed. So um, Birgit is the, the curator on the Gutenberg Times and is the co-host on the Gutenberg Changelog podcast, 
with Mark Urain. Is that right? Is there anything else you want to add to that? Well, you could subscribe to the podcast Lovely. via um, any of your favorite podcast uh, apps. And uh, we have also a weekend edition on the Gutenberg Times of the news um, or yeah, what happened last week or if I find some article that, I've, that are interesting for the community. So um, you can subscribe to that every Saturday. Oh. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's lovely to have somebody on. As we were saying just before we started and pressed record, it's nice to have, have somebody on. We've been talking about Gutenberg for the longest period of time, but to us, it's one of many things that we discuss. And so it's nice to have somebody on who's really deeply embedded in it. And perhaps you can give us some insights and what have you as we as we produce the show today. The Just a couple of things before we begin. This is the WPBuilds.com website. You can find it at WPBuilds.com, as you would imagine. Um, we produce a podcast every week, and we produce This Week in WordPress, which you are listening to now. Just like with Beergit's productions, you can subscribe, and you can do that by going to your favorite podcast player and typing in WPBuilds. Or you can go to this page, WPBuilds.com forward slash subscribe. A couple of email lists. This gray one. That gets you, uh, it tells you all about the content that we produce at WP Build. And then the blue one is less used. It's when we hear about WordPress deals. There's also ways on that page to find our Facebook group and so on and so forth. The other one to say is that we have a deals page, which people like to make use of. It's over at wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. And it's just a bunch of coupon codes for WordPress products. And they seem to never expire, which is quite nice. Each week after we've done this live, we then put it onto our website. And you can find it in the archives section here. It's uh, wpbuilds.com forward slash news dash archives. And that's just a way of curating all of the bits and pieces that we produce over the, over the course of the year. And uh, yeah, welcome you to go and check that out as well. But without further ado, let's get on to the actual meat and potatoes of today's show, which is all about WordPress news. We have up first now, this is this is actually quite an exciting piece of news. Those of you that have been following the US election, uh, and let's be honest, uh, it was difficult to miss the US election this time around. There is, there is a new website, and it's got something to do with WordPress. And um, well... It has been launched on WordPress. I believe it came to WordPress the first time in 2017. It was, if you like, taken from the Drupal platform, who had it for the longest period of time, and they've decided to, to stay with WordPress. This is um, a picture of what you see. All, although it's not mentioned in this WP Tavern article by Sarah Gooding, all the, the indications apparently seem to point to the agency 10up as the actual people who are behind this. But uh, as you can imagine, a website such as this, it really has to tick every single box, especially in terms of, well, I guess things like accessibility and speed and so on. So really, I'm just introducing you to the new White House website. What do you make of it, Paul and Birgit? I would say that um, I'm hoping that Biden and Harris will now get right into WordPress and we can see them subscribing to This Week in WordPress and maybe... <laughs> Biden would like to come on as a panelist and let us know what he thinks of the block editor. He's not really got much else to do, has he, at the moment? You know, there's nothing no. that he needs to clean up or, you know. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's nice. Well, usage is a statement. So uh, they are all using the whole website uses uh, the Gutenberg block editor. 
actually. So um, that's a statement by itself about. Is the that state right? Of yeah. Yes. Okay. That that is interesting. So, do we know if it's got a sort of like custom theme or anything like that? That is my. That is my memory of reading around this piece was that there's a custom theme, but we and there's a few little Easter eggs dropped in the code somewhere about some yeah. kind of reference to 46 and some kind of reference to other various statistics agencies that uh, that the government uses to provide statistics and so on. But uh, that's fascinating if it's using using the block editor. That's cool. What an yeah. endorsement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also a link in there if you want to work for the um, digital services at the US government, you can apply there. And I know um, a famous uh, WordPress committer, Nathan, no, what's his name? Andrew Nathan, um, has actually worked for that service for two years. Nice. Yeah. The, um, the, there was the inevitable uh, commentary all about page speed and so on. And uh, you can see from here yeah. that it, it, this is the lighthouse scores. And you can see from the, the green, you've got 95 on performance, 100 on accessibility, which, you know, that's really amazing. Well, I suppose they really, if any website on the planet was going to achieve this, you would have hoped it would be something such as this. Uh, best practices, 93 and SEO, uh, 100, that, which led actually interestingly to the, the commentary in the comments. Uh, and that seems to be the thing that people were railing against, the fact that this is, you know, don't try to judge everything by these by these Numbers. metrics, Lighthouse and GT metrics and so on, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the, the commentary was, was all about that. Um, but yeah, just very, very nice little piece all about the uh, the importance of WordPress. I don't know um, if it's going to be updated frequently, often if it's going to have a blog. I don't really know how this website is utilized other than just being perhaps a brochure site. I really don't know, but it's nice that, well, I would say that it's the kind of thing that you could quite handily go to your clients with and say, oh, well, mm. you know, you've got any problems with WordPress? Well, the White House are using WordPress, so you can probably trust it. <laughs> Um, so far as I know, I think they're using it with the last administration as well. And I think that this, yep. I, my understanding of the story is that they've used WordPress before and they've decided, they've looked at different options again and they decided to stick with WordPress. So it's good news for WordPress, I think. Yeah, it is. It was quite yeah. interesting. I was listening to another podcast. What does number 10 use? I yeah, well, I don't know, actually. We, yeah. you, whilst, we, whilst we talk about this, you could go and find out, you know, how. Yeah. what's that tool that you use? Who built this? Or how's it built? Or what's it built with? Or something, yeah. .com. You can type in a URL and they figure it out for you. There was a, a podcast that I listened to. It's got nothing to do with WordPress. It's called um, This Week in Google. And I listen to that each week because it's, nice, oh. it's a nice podcast all about the, the state of the web, oh. especially relying on Google and Facebook and Twitter and so on. Do you listen to it, Birgit? Oh, yes, for the last five years, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. I love really. the interaction yeah. with Jeff and Leo. Um, it's yeah. just, you know, yeah. this week in particular, they fell out right at the beginning, which is always a win. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, I missed Tina uh, Trapani, actually, on that show. Yeah, yes, she yeah, she was nice great. Concert, she she yeah. went off and did her own things, didn't she? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they were saying that it, there was n nothing to do with this story, but related to it. The, the Twitter handle, which has been so important to uh, Donald Trump, obviously, you, you perhaps know or don't know that Twitter just a couple of weeks ago kind of froze his Twitter account and back at the beginning of his tenure he declined to use this Twitter account which is specifically reserved for the the president and it's called POTUS P-O-T-U-S president of the United States is I'm guessing what it stands for right. and and so Twitter have had to do this little shimmy over the last couple of weeks trying to get everybody that follows Joe Biden 
to follow this new account. And I'm not sure how that's all worked itself out, but it's just, just really interesting how the, the online platforms, especially Twitter, has come to play such an important part to the point where the White House and so on have to go out and tell people, look, this is the account you now need to follow. He's only going to be posting pictures of cats on his regular account. If you want actual <laughs> updates, you're going to have to go and subscribe to this account. And the intention, I think, was to bring people across automatically, but certainly Leo on that podcast said that his his it didn't transition for him. So he, if he wanted to follow Biden, he had to do it uh, by himself. Anyway, we're totally going off piece. Let's just say mm. a few highs. <laughs> Hello to to Chris Hughes in the comments. That's very nice of you to join us again, Chris. And um, just to say, if you're using Facebook and you wish to make a comment uh, and you wish for your face to appear, which of course you may not wish to do, then there is actually a link in the thread and you've got to go and click on a StreamYard link, and that will enable us to see who you are. But yeah, and that's Beth Lyles Livingston, by the uh, way. Hello, Beth. Yeah. Um, Hi, Beth. And I don't know if this is Beth again, but uh, yeah, we've been using it. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Paul again. Sorry, Chris again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, not going to say that on there. Uh, so, okay. That's our first. Yeah, number look. 10. Uh, number 10 is using WordPress, by the way, for their media oh. blog. I've just checked. <laughs> And yet yeah. we know, you know, we never make any fuss about that one, do we? So there we go. No. Number 10 and. Number 10 is already oh, using WordPress. I don't know if they're using blocks. It looks more like a custom theme. But uh, I think uh, for those people who don't know what number 10 is, it's like a tiny, tiny version of the White House in the UK <laughs> for uh, Boris Johnson and his friends. It's not, it's not probably even detached. Sorry. Yeah. It's probably the size of a closet in the White House. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It it's is literally yeah. a semi detached. It's not even semi detached. It's a it's, it's a, a terrace. Terrace house. house. Mid terrace house. <laughs> three, I think yeah. four floors. But you're talking about you're talking about Downing Street ten, right? Yeah, number mm -hmm. ten Downing yeah. Street. That's number right, ten yeah. Downing Street. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Beth, it's working now. Uh, we've got your image, so we know who you are. Any comments that you make from this point on, we we know who you are. So thank you. And hello, Cameron. Coming from us all the way in Australia. I happen to know that because we had a nice podcast episode a little while ago. So hello, Cameron. Nice to have you with us. Shall we move to number two, our second story of today? I think we've probably done that one justice. And for this one, I'm going to actually hand over to Paul, who I think in turn is going to go to and fro with Birgit. <laughs> yeah, so this is an article on WordPress Tavern by Justin Tadlock, and it is entitled First Round of the FSE, which is the Full Site Editing Outreach Program, concludes, and it identifies template editing mode problems. And so what this article is just uh, basically saying is that the, the first round of kind of user testing as such from this outreach program has finished now, and that obviously it's come back with some feedback of some things that need improving. And the general uh, the, the article is generally kind of summarizing that most of the users had a bit of trouble understanding the difference between editing the content mode and then switching into the template template editing mode, mm. which kind of looked similar, but you could do a lot of damage, I think, to your website in template editing mode. Um, Justin summarizes at the end. I think I'm totally with Justin on this one in, in how he's um, summarized this. Let's see, he said, okay. Switching between post and template editing feels like full site editing 2.0 type of thing. The development team has enough issues on its plate with the normal site editor. It's a far cry from being viable production ready product. 
The team's focus should be on working out the kinks of that system before merging it with the post editor. Crawl before you walk, walk before you can run. He does go on to say, though, he understands this is in early development, and he says, however, I am willing to be pleasantly surprised in the long run, it will probably be a good thing that we are getting an early look at what these two different pieces of WordPress will look like working in conjunction. So like I say, I'm with Justin there in that um, I've almost always liked the separation of design and structure from content and those things to be quite distantly separated within a user interface. But like Justin, I'm happy to be pleasantly surprised later on. And the re one of the reasons we, um, we're particularly happy this week to have Birgit on is because uh, Birgit works within the Gutenberg project. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention a bit more about that for context, um, but I'm super interested to see what your thoughts are also on the difference, you know, the content editing versus the full site editing and and generally your involvement in the project as a whole as well. Mm. Uh, before I put my foot in it as well, because um, sometimes I complain about Gutenberg, so. Um, yeah, so, well, thank you for having me on the show. And this um, part of uh, full site editing outreach program is actually something new that um, came out of the experience um, rolling out the block editor in 5.0 and have a lot of criticism with it that um, decisions are behind the scenes and people didn't, yeah, didn't get some input in that. And um, the program was actually announced in May, but only now in November, December, it came to fruition because the development wasn't far enough to do testing on the full site editing for the alpha version. So um, all the things that are not working are actually supposed to be not working because they're not there yet. Um, but it's uh, interesting for the team to see where the confusion starts and where they have to make the distinctions. Um, I think the, the, so the philosophy is actually to have just one interface. And um, I, I'm like you, Paul, I like a separation of concern. But that uh, is also what developers think about and what... Um, um, what, what brought us to the mystery meet that um, Matt Mullenweg uh, referred to when he said, we have all these widgets, we have sidebar, we have side code, um, short codes, we have navigation screens, and people need to learn so many interfaces to, um, to manage that all. Uh, now let's bring it all in one and people don't have to leave. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, and so they now need to strike the balance and kind of find the places where confusion happens. Um, I actually had a different confusion thing <laughs> with a new version of Gutenberg that just came out this week um, with the reusable blocks. It's now kind of a sidebar thing. And all yeah. of a sudden I changed my site, uh, my reusable blocks and didn't realize that. So I kind of um, needed to switch a little bit my, yeah. But it's, um, so my involvement in the Gutenberg team is um, pretty much um, that I, I test very early all the versions um, because Gutenberg Times is using the Gutenberg plugin in production. Uh, which you're not supposed to do, or don't <laughs> do that at home. <laughs> but the Gutenberg time, it's just kind of, I, yeah, I have to wait two weeks to fix it, so I'm just going to hang in there. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but it's um, it started out in 2017 when I saw the first uh, video about the Gutenberg editor where I got really enlightened, so to speak, about, oh, this is going to change WordPress so much and I want to learn everything about it. And I wanted to share everything I learned about it with everybody else. So I built a little Storyfy um, kind of update page and then, of course, got bit by that um, don't build on rented land. And yeah, a half a year later, and then uh, I needed to start my own website, and that's what the Gutenberg Times is. So I, I test everything, I read a lot, um, and I do I create issues on GitHub um, when something doesn't work um, to yeah kind of uh, help them to make it better. Um, I also uh, run a page. Uh, that's called Keeping Up with Gutenberg. It's um, um, a handbook page, but it's an index of all the posts that the team around Gutenberg does. And it it affects the core, it affects core CSS, core um, JS, um, the uh, core editor, of course, and then and the themes team and the design team. If they publish something on their make blogs, I'll put it all in one kind of list so you can see from 2020 between July and December, all the updates that happen on the make blogs. Um, so I run that. Um, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And of course, yeah, my publications with the Gutenberg changelog, Mark Urain is a, a, a designer on the Gutenberg team. And we have been doing that for now a year and a half that every two weeks we have a, a walk through the changelog of the newest plugin version. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tend to have a, a much more cursory relationship with it. We just talk about the, the articles very often that are coming out of places like uh, WP Tavern and what have you. So we're relying mm -hmm. a lot on Sarah and Justin and taking their approach on it and certainly not keeping up to date as it, with it as much as you. But it, it's been such a controversial couple of years. It is a couple of years now, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Where did that go? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so many people with different opinions. You know, I've got some good friends who really want to stay away from it entirely and going out of their way to make sure that it never surfaces in their life. And then you've got other people who embrace it fully. But everybody along the road having at least probably some point of confusion, you, obviously somebody that really, really knows your stuff about it, getting tied up with reusable blocks and... And I think things like the fact that the interface is all in one place. Both Paul and I have been uh, users a lot, I would say, of Beaver Builder. And it's just it's just such an interesting comparison to make, you know, because we've got this fully fleshed out page builder plugin, which can do already many of the things which are on the roadmap for Gutenberg. And the UI is just something that you got used to. And the creators of that didn't have anybody to answer to except their existing customers. They could basically just say, well, this is what we're going to do. And now we've done it. And that's the way it now is. I mean, they listen to their customers, don't get me wrong, but they can be much <laughs> more. They don't have to listen to as many people, should we say. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the way that they do things kind of, I suppose, in a sense, becomes the way that you expect it to be done. And I'm sure it would be the same for people who use Elementor or Divi or what have you. It's like, why doesn't Gutenberg behave like that? And and that's the thing about Gutenberg. It is a journey so far. It's a two-year, well, more. You know, it's been developed for longer than that, but two and a half years, let's say, journey. And uh, and we still got probably at least two and a half years left. So we're going to come across these problems all the time. Well, actually, um, Med Malamik said it's a ten-year project for him. Yeah, 
Yeah, so and we are twenty percent in. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you kind of judge the the even the full side the the full side editing experience to something that has been built over many many years in Beaver Builder uh, with its own interface that doesn't have to really connect with anything right. else. Right. Um, then it it you set yourself up for disappointment, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm probably in a better stage because I've never used Elementor or Beaver Builder or any other page builder. I, um, and every time I came across one, it was the worst of, of things. Um, it wasn't any of those two. And um, I, we stick with the, the, the core and then developed themes yeah, um, yeah. by developing them uh, or writing code. So um, I think that's where I'm in a much better place to kind of not unlearn things, have to unlearn things. I'm just kind of in awe what can be done. Um, that's so where I'm coming from. But I also think that um, having uh, something that comes out of core that has a broader base right. um, of uh, developers on there that also works with other plugins and um, where the, the other page builders actually could build on top. Um, because it's a standardized interface and a standardized um, uh, code base um, um, would make it uh, probably much easier for someone who starts now with mm -hmm. uh, um, adding to the page uh, to the uh, to Gutenberg and uh, quite a few plugins, block collections uh, yeah. uh, went this way. Yeah, like um, Go uh, from GoDaddy, uh, Genesis themes, um, and and um, Cadence themes, Astra, yeah, they're all kind of built on top of um, yeah. the existing code builder here. Yeah. Hadn't really occurred to me, but yeah, you are in a quite enviable position in that you've got you are not comparing it to something, and I suppose in a sense that is the 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 quandary that people such as myself face is that you want it to do a certain thing, mm -hmm. and you know that that thing is possible, and so you go to the block editor, attempt that thing, and and rather than think to yourself, well, I'll just keep pushing on until I figured it out. You, mm -hmm. You're always against the clock thinking, well, I could have done it by now. I could have done right, this thing right, already. Right, right. Um, and <laughs> that's just, yeah. yeah. Brings me back to my early days in my computer. I got my first computer in 88 and I was in an accounting program and I wanted to learn Multiplan, which is an Excel uh, predecessor. And it took me all night to kind of put one spreadsheet in there because I needed to learn the interface. Yeah. And then next morning I told my grandma who actually bought the computer for me. said this was what I did. And I was really proud. And she said, well, <laughs> I think computers are a colossal waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's really that interface part um, that you have to relearn. Um, yeah. And it, I'm, I I'm totally sure that people who use page builders now to develop sites for others will take another two to three years to even think mm. about getting into a full site editing experience. But they are also the ones that need to be um, talked to <laughs> in the early stages. And that's what the uh, full site editing program is actually about. Yeah, to have those who build site for others and need to streamline their processes, make sure that they have what they need in the full site editing experience. So um, they, some of them, the early adopters will come sooner into the fold than later. It's kind of every new invention has this um, bell curve yeah, with uh, 
innovators, early adopters, early majority, late majority, and then the laggards that will never go there. <laughs> um, but um, so getting that wave um, a little earlier, that's probably, um, so yeah, it's, it's sooner yeah. or later it will come. And PageBuilder and Elementor are really um, still experiencing growth. So I'm really lucky, uh, really happy for them. Yeah. yeah, that is a really incisive comment, though, about the the possible two to three year um, wait time for people who yeah. are using something like Elementor, Beaver Builder, and all the others, because this this is the direct comparison all the time. Is that you know you you hear people um, calling out Gutenberg because it doesn't do this, that, and the other thing. And that that perspective never really gets shared is that we're on we'll be we'll be at year five in a ten year journey at that point. I suppose we're just used to things working the way they work. And anyway, sorry, Paul, it sounded like you wanted to say something. Oh, I, I just got a lot in my head about this, so I'll try and put it out. Um, first of all, the the uh, the outreach program seems like a really good idea, and I I don't know how the outreach program is selecting the people that get involved and I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of a you know people volunteer but uh, and if 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 it is that then I would suggest for the benefit of the team who's developing it it would be a really good idea for them to look for some people who you know are known for using you know a particular tool I'm not talking about me I'm not trying to get a job here or anything um but you know people who work with you know, Elementor or Beaver Builder or some of the other tools, um, even non-WordPress products who are blogging about this stuff or, you know, leading the way on the design, designing with these tools or something to see if they can pull those people in a, a few of those people into the outreach program in the same way that a commercial product would go and headhunt a couple of people to, to go, right, okay, here's the people that volunteer and here's some people that we actually want to get because yeah. I used to do a lot of work with local government like 15 years ago and I would go to these these town meetings sometimes and and these were meetings that anyone in the area could attend anyone you you could just turn up you get free coffee you get free biscuits and you get to speak what you think about the new clock tower getting built in the town or the, there's too many there's too much rubbish or junk around in this area and I would go to some of these meetings so I was involved in uh, the digital side of things. And it was the same people. We used to call them the uh, the usual suspects. And it was the same people. And then the government, local government, would use these voices as apparently these people are representing everyone. And they weren't. It's just that those people were the only ones turning up. Other people did care about it, but they didn't even know about these meetings or they didn't prioritize them. So I'd love to see, I think I'd love to see um, from a product development side of things, I think that they could get some good insights from people using completely different products. And um, and then that leads on to my other comment, which is more of a question really for um, Birgit. Um, so Matt Mullenweg was talking about this, you know, there's widgets, there's menus, there's uh, the appearance section, there's the customizer, there's the, there's the editor. And I totally understand like his idea of, do you know what? We should put all these together. There's too many different things to learn. And I just wonder if his mind, how much of his mind can get changed through the feedback? Because when I listen to that concept, it sounds great, but it's also quite a zero sum argument that, hey, there's lots of different things. 
the solution is to put them all together. And it's like, well, who said? Who said the solution was to put them all together? Have we asked anyone? I know it makes sense. And it's almost like to me that, you know, you've got something like the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. And you say, you know, we've got strings, we've got brass, we've got percussion. Why don't we just get that guy who's got the percussion on his arms, he's got a cymbal on his head, and he's got a trumpet strapped to his mouth? That's surely a better option. And then if you then paid to go and see the, you know, the New York Philharmonic Orchestra and you turned up and there's this, this one dude with like loads of, you know, a, an accordion here and some cymbals on his arms going like this, you'd be quite disappointed that this wasn't sounding quite as good as the Philharmonic Orchestra. So I just wonder, like, if, Matt, do you think, Birgit, that if enough feedback came from the right people, Matt's vision would be bendable to say, do you know what? We should bring a lot of the stuff in here, but some of it doesn't ever belong in there. It really shouldn't belong in there. Even So I wonder how much his vision is bendable, in, in your opinion, knowing a little bit more. So I think there is something, there's a mystery out there and a kind of an idea or a myth out there that Matt is pulling the strings all the time. Well, yeah. he is a release lead, but the... Uh, Gutenberg development has not started in 2017. It started in 2015, where core committers had tried to kind of bring it all to the modern space um, and have uh, over and over hit some. Um, and there are some posts out there, maybe I, we need to surface them a bit. So when you think about the, so yes, there are, if there are voices there, that have a good argument why things should change, but they need to come from a place of knowledge. So um, having from the outside look in and say, oh, I would love to do it this way. Um, you, you first need to know the history where everybody is coming from before you change something. And um, now every three years in or four years in, um, in the development of something that started five years ago, um, I think um, I like your idea that the people who um, work with page builders now and and yeah should come to the FSE program, yeah. But this is not there are no embossed in, embossed invitations. If you because it's a lot of work, so inviting someone to do more work on top of their own work is something that only a volunteer would do by. Uh, on its own or her own uh, volition. Yeah, you cannot make somebody do the work. So, and there is an open invitation there in every open source program. And if you want to do put the work in, the people who do the work decide where it's going. Yeah. So if um, it, it join in, there will not be an embossed invitation. There, it's all open. It's all in the open. And um, yeah. Opinions are heard, opinions are discussed, and opinions are um, fighted over. There is no coherent uh, kind of thing. They say, okay, this is one thing, and everybody has on the fringes kind of is not heard or is kind of not um, respected or something like that. That's totally not the place, uh, the, uh, the case. Um, there was, um, you probably remember Joost de Volk, um, who started out being the marketing lead yeah. on the team. Yeah. And then three months later said, mm. well, I can do this because what I wanted to do is not what the team wanted to do or what, what, what it's supposed to do. Um, he had in his um, 
um, resignation blog post one sentence in there and said, I thought there were uh, decisions would be in private channels on the Slack and um, that is actually not the case. And I took it as something like, I was always wondering about that, but I was really happy to hear that even if it doesn't work out, like he needed to work it out. And uh, it, I think approaching that like a commercial software um, kind of also um, restricts who's making decision. And everybody is, when you look through the Git, uh, GitHub repository and there might be a hurdle there that non-developers are not going to GitHub, but the discussions on features, is actually there with good arguments, with uh, mockups, like hundreds of messages with mockups and very detailed going in there. And then also the consideration from, yeah, well, if we change it here, we need to change it here. And kind of, you get, yeah, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of work. Yeah, you need to really get into it to actually, um, yeah, and, and this testing script was very restricted, kind of, yeah, these are the things that we wanted to learn uh, from it. But it was also, um, it gets you over the hurdle to kind of get in, yeah, how is it supposed to work? Yeah, I'm also part of the documentation team for the block editor end user documentation, not for the developers, but for, the, for those who actually use the interface. And um, I, our problem is that we are not, we can test it against what it's supposed to work because nobody writes that up for us. Yeah? So we are the ones that people come to and say, how is it supposed to work? Well, as long as we don't know, we can't publish it. But so we need to also go in there and, and learn these things. And so it's, it's, a, it's an open invitation to who has a passion for it, who has... Um, made business from WordPress. I say this, it's a good business case to actually do the five for the future part and contribute, not only code, but um, sharing your opinions, arguing your opinions, arguing on a case um, and bring arguments that are actually helpful for the developers. Um, the, if, if, if you, yeah, so if it doesn't work, they, they will, yeah, change it, yeah, and make it work. Yeah, so that's kind of my plea here. Yeah, it's really interesting because over the over the years that we've been doing this show, we, we we get it kind of from both sides. We get the um, we get the the conversations which go something like, "Look, I wish it would be more like this," um, you know, but why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing this? And and as you've said, you know, basically it will be steered by those who have the time and the inclination to, to be able to commit to it. And then we have kind of like the other half who are sort of saying, I just don't have the time because I'm firefighting my business. And it appears that those, those people who have got the investment behind them, who perhaps, let's say, I don't know, work for a big WordPress company or you know a hosting company or something like that, and they're seconded and they're given the, um, the, the finance to take a day off a month or what have you and, and go and do those things, they sort of steer the agenda. So it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. But the truth is it's open to anybody, um, but it might, you might find it more difficult than somebody who's got the backing financially to take some time off to, to go and commit. So sort of both well, sides of the argument come into play. Right, yeah. But um, there are, uh, yeah, like our agency, I'm the one who's contributing to WordPress hmm. um, as the agency owner, 
because I have people who do my work, yeah, kind of in that. And but from for us, it's definitely a business case. Yeah, we made yeah six figure revenue in the last ten years about it. Uh, WordPress without paying any anyone who builds the software, yeah, to have a um, yeah, and any upgraders comes for free. I get we get free support if we needed to. Yeah, just put out a question on um, yeah on the support forum or on what's the name of that um, Stack Flow Overflow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people help you. It's the most generous open source project that you can see. WordCamps, um, meetups. Yeah, in the business case is to you already got so much. Give, yeah. give a little bit back to the community. And I know it's not um, always the case that somebody can kind of carve out that time, um, but there are only 50, so from the 600 um, contributors to 5.6, just the numbers, it was about 600 contributors. Mm -hmm. um, there were 57 companies involved and um, of which probably 50 only had one contributor in there. Mm. But that makes all the difference. Yeah, If that yeah. Yeah, person gets a little bit during the, during the time, yeah, maybe Friday afternoon is your time to contribute to WordPress or um, yeah, something like that. It's definitely, you, you, you can kind of put yourself back in the, uh, lean back and say, well, Automatic has 70 people in there. Um, Yoast has 18 people in there, but alone the two, yeah, it's um, uh, it, it's it's going so less, and then there are people uh, or companies with four and five, um, and then there are the one-person companies in there, and then the other 600 or 500 um, contributors to it. So um, every little bit helps. And it's yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm done. <laughs> okay, thank you. No, I was just going to say, the, I suppose another issue involved is surfacing these projects and making them visible. So, you know, we have a small audience of people who are really into WordPress and there'll be other such podcasts and there'll be people who just read the WP Tavern because they're into WordPress. But I would imagine that quite a lot of people using WordPress are literally just using it and they're not in the ecosystem of news. They're probably not attending WordCamps and so on or just you know, they might miss something. So it's wonderful that organizations like WP Tavern put the message out and hopefully uh, things like this will alert people. So here you are. If you've got any issues with Gutenberg, full site editing and so on, this is an article you can see it on the screen. There'll be links in the show notes. Go and click on that and you can find out about the out outreach program. I did actually put the URL uh, of a post on make.wordpress.org on the screen a little while ago. In fact, let me just quickly put that back up again. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I've learned so much in the last five five to 10 minutes about mm. how this all works compared to everything I've ever known before. And I think as an, in, you know, me as an individual, I was previously running a, an agency and it was so busy. I'd never had any time to do anything other than just read pretty much what Justin Tadlock would say, or maybe what Matt Medeiros would make a video about, or a few other people. And um, I think I pro probably have been, you know, frustratingly but blissfully ignorant about a, how a lot of this works. And it seems that if someone is really interested in getting into any kind of product development, then this is just an open ticket to say, come and get involved in this. It might not be what, you know, how commercial product development goes, but I bet that you can learn things in this getting involved in 
WordPress and Gutenberg at this level that you can take into com into the commercial area as well. And I think that a, a lot of us are seeing snippets of information here and snippets of information there and putting two and two together and coming up with five. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it, one of the things in my mind is, oh, why, why don't they just pay some, you know, professional UX people or something to do this? And, and someone might say, well, it's an open source. And I'll be like, well, it seems to me that automatic are commercializing this really behind the scenes. And so I think there's, um, there's a big misunderstanding of, of what is actually happening. And then I think, I think it'd be great if Matt Mullenweg could do some more interviews. I know he's not necessarily doing the whole thing. Some more very open interviews to answer some of these almost conspiracy theories that people are starting to come up with now. Because they're not particularly, you know, and they're very believable as well. But a lot of them are probably not true whatsoever. So, I would love him. I'd love to see. I don't know what his job is. Don't know what he's supposed to do. Or, or somebody who who is seen to be very senior to to come out and be doing lots and lots of interviews, um, answering all the questions, listening, feeding back to the main core team. I'd love to see that. But you know, what? I think this segues really nicely into. Um, something that I'm really, especially after today, going to do my best to turn up to, if if I'm allowed. I think that's how it works. Um, Big at the the next Gutenberg Live Q and A, January 29th, uh, 4 p.m. UTC, 11 a.m. ET and GMT. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know that we've focused on not many articles this week. I don't think that's a problem. I think this has been a really interesting important discussion about Gutenberg and everything, but there is a, uh, an is, is this an open invite? Can anyone yeah. go to this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's open. We have 100 seats. I think we've just had uh, 37 tickets, but we also will, so the um, webinar, it's more live Q&A that will be uh, live streamed to YouTube and on the YouTube channel um, slash Gutenberg Times, you, you can certainly watch it. Um, and we will have the latest update and full site editing. We also have the program manager of the uh, outreach program, Anne McCarthy, in there. And then Carolina Nemak and Ari Sutopoulos. Um, they both are theme developers that have their first block-based theme for the full site mm -hmm. editing in the repository. Um, and they can help. Uh, so it's more like um, the update, but also what can theme developers do to get ready for it? And also, um, how is the transition, the migration path uh, from um, the current theme development to the future theme development? Um, there's not a whole lot of that changes if you want to stay with what you're doing, but there are other things that uh, could change. And why would they change for the better? Um, and the time again is 11 a.m. Eastern, and it's 1600 um, UTC, and I think it's seven. Uh, it's five o'clock GMT. I don't think I finished the sentence there when I, I wrote that. Um, that's the Middle European time time zone, um, I think. Yep. So the the URL is is long and complex. So on the screen and in the show notes, I've put a Bitly link, which will make life a little bit more straightforward. But um, so this is just go sign up. Uh, you've got a few days left before it starts. And yeah, I think this, yeah, like, like Paul says, 
it's fascinating to see all of these things uh, like a hitherto unknown community um from paul and i's part anyway not hitherto unknown but you know yeah. nice to nice to see exactly what you're doing when you've described it all today isn't that brilliant paul we've we've been schooled a lot today it's yeah, yeah I, I knew i would be as well i knew i knew we would be today and that's why i was really looking forward to today and, so uh, a, yeah a person you uh, should invite to your uh, either the uh, this week in WordPress or in uh, to kind of roll this together is Josepha Hayden, because Josepha is actually the exec executive director yeah. for the open source project. So she is the one who um, kind of makes sure that the teams got what they need, and um, also um, yeah how it's all going yeah uh, how the releases are done and who's doing the releases hi peter it's good to see you thank you yeah, so much that's great peter <laughs> yeah. making a nice comment in the yeah. uh, on the comments basically saying let me just pop that up again saying yeah. um Birgit and mark put a lot of work into an open honest uh, open and honest discussion about the block editor and it's greatly appreciated thank you peter i'm sure thank you yeah sure um, and that. if you go to gutenbergtimes.com um there's a, a registration link right there so if you perfect. missed a bit of the link as yeah. well yeah no that's perfect uh, yeah um, i hope i see everybody there <laughs> yeah yeah thank you um another person who has been like really helpful in our little community uh again segueing a little bit there is david mccann and we're kind of moving from gutenberg over to a completely different page builder now because uh david david mccann puts articles out i, I don't know how frequently but when he does them he really goes to town would you agree paul he really it's he's the kind of guy that doesn't put something uh, well without a lot of thought into it and i just want to give him props this week it's over at webtng.com you'll be able to find the link in the show notes and it's an article entitled creating a website with oxygen obviously oxygen yeah. you know nathan um, i heard that david's middle names was definitive guide david definitive guide mccann that's it, yeah. Because everything, if it's not, I would believe it if that was true. But that's <laughs> what people say. Yeah. He's uh, he's put this oxygen guide together. And essentially, there seems to be a, a groundswell of people at the moment who have made it their their page builder of choice. You know, they've they've gone to Beaver Builder, they've tried out Elementor, and they, they've gone to Oxygen, and they, they're very happy with what they see over there. And obviously, there's a steep learning curve, um, and you can see it here. Look, there, there's the table of con when a blog post has a table of contents that long, um, you know what's going on. He's supported it with a video. There's probably about twenty, maybe even more. Maybe there's more like thirty steps to this blog post. But essentially, if you've if you've not been familiar with Oxygen and what it can do, and you would just like one place to get the soup to nuts version of it then go and check out david's post there's there's little for me to say really except there's a video to accompany it and he's i just love his style he's very his delivery is very deliberate and uh, and it's you know it's not all about snappy graphics and all that it's just about getting the content to you so anyway highly highly recommended i like that one and let's move on to something which i think is just such a nice evolution of a product this is pods Cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this, there's a new article on the pods.io website, and it's entitled "Introducing Pods Pro by SKC Dev Pods 2.8 in Q&A and New YouTube Videos." And so the main uh, part of this uh, announcement on the Pods website. Uh, so just just the context, Pods is a plugin that 
allows you to create custom fields, custom taxonomies, custom post types, and use them all together to create a bit more of a kind of relational database structure of a website. So I use pods. I know tons of people are listening, but you know, tons of the 10 people listening yeah. uh, <laughs> um, use, use pods. And it's a much loved product. And it's something similar to Toolset or um, Advanced Custom Fields. And so pods, pods lost its core funding about a year ago, I think it was, by Automatic. I'm pretty sure Automatic was one of the core yeah. funders of the project. And it wasn't like they did anything wrong to lose that. It's just the deal came to its natural end and renewing the deal didn't seem to be in the benefit of either of the product itself, pods or for Automatic. So a new plan was uh, put together. Uh, pods looked at getting more um, income from from their donations, what's called Friends of Pods. And, and then this idea of Pods Pro started and it's been slow marinating for a long, long time. And it seems that it's really getting off the ground now. So SKC Dev to me is clearly Scott Kingsley Clark. Mm -hmm. um, and what it says in the article is that Pods Pro by SKC Dev is a separate financial entity to the core Pods project. So it's been positioned as the best of both worlds. You've got pods as the, the core thing funded by donations. Uh, it's a foundation. And then you've got pods pro, which is like the official add-ons for, for pro add-ons. Probably this means things like integrations into the block editor in specific ways, possibly into third party things like page builders, especially means as um, Nathan, you had Scott on. Uh, for the Page Builder Summit recently. Some of those video snippets are in this post as well, where he's talking about how Pods works with um, Beaver Builder and Elementor and Oxygen and some of the other tools. Um, but I also think what's interesting about this article is that there's there's another thing that's happened in the world of Pods, which is Scott Kingsley Clark, who's one of the core developers of the plugin, um, is also uh, or was an employee of Modern Tribe who could uh, create the plugin the event calendar, which was recently just sold to, I think, Liquid Web, including the entire team. So I'm not sure where Scott is at the moment. I'm, I'd love to find out. I'll have to check him out on Twitter, see if he's saying anything about this and and where. And and I'm hoping that this whole this whole situation, that's the change with Pods, the change with Modern Tribe, actually seems to me that maybe Scott is able to spend more time on this Pods Pro project as opposed to less time. It just seems that the timing of his blog post a week or so after the acquisition of Modern Tribe's event calendar is possibly mm. an, an important thing in the timing of it. So I'm really interested to see where Pods Pro goes as a Pods user and I wish Scott and the rest of his team at SKC Dev all the best with it and look forward to seeing what happens there. Do you know, Paul, what, um, let's say you came at this purely from a what do I get angle. Do you know what the what the additional features and so on are that you get if you become a, well, a pro user? I don't think it's totally clear yet. Hmm. Um, I think that is probably the next kind of things that we hear are going to be around what these different integrations are. But the fact that I'm just trying, I'm probably reading clues into things that really aren't there here, you know, about Scott's time. And also the fact that uh, there's a YouTube video from the Page Builder Summit on the same post. 
it seems to me that Pods Pro is aiming towards people that use things like ACF, which tend to be freelancers, uh, agencies, and implementers of WordPress as opposed to end users. I've got so, a feeling Birgit wants to say something at this point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I said enough, to be honest. <laughs> well, um, I think he must have recently updated his page because it says it's uh, it's add-ons created with um, uh, integrates with Beaver Builder and Beaver Themer, Divi Theme, and Oxygen Builder. So he has been working quite um, extensively on those integrations and now makes it available for um, Pods users. So uh, that's really great. Um, yeah, that's really good news. Yeah, it was quite yeah. nice. I think a lot of I don't think a lot, but I think there was some 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 uh, what's the word? Um, some what is it when people meet and invitations or connections that's the word i'm after i think there were a few connections made during the page builder summit uh, around this which was quite a nice sort of thing that came out of it a lot of these people who had previously been in their own little silos got to, got mm -hmm. to be all hanging out in the chat at the same time and uh, yeah that's really nice that scott's put that video on there as well well let's yeah, see how this goes bigger as bigger as spotted something that i totally missed in this article which was the link through to SKC dev website where indeed you're right there is uh, the first add-on is called the page builder toolkit and as you mentioned it integrates with these um, page builders so that's uh, very interesting I know there's always been a beaver builder integration with pods um, which was largely worked on by um, regular guest Bernard um, Bernard Grenot who's regularly on on this show and I, I imagine he's probably had something to do with helping Scott on this, so really exciting to see where this goes. Okay, so if you if you go to the link in the show notes, you can you can then follow a link. I'm looking at the pricing page. I don't know if that's what you were referring to, Paul and Birgit, but that's what I'm seeing now. Yeah, page builder toolkit add-on, advanced relationship storage add-on, uh, table press integration. Okay, so some nice beginning moves. Yeah, seventy nine dollars yeah. per year. Uh, it, for the single pack, which I presume is just one site. Yeah, that's right. Oh, really interesting pricing. Look at that. So 79 for one site, and then you have to find another $50 to go unlimited. Honestly, so much interesting pricing in the WordPress space at the minute around these things. And it seems like unlimited here is obviously what he's trying to trying to get you to to get into but so, so what a reasonable what a reasonable offer that seems to be yeah and you can save more money if you i mean yes. this is really you know when pods lost their funding from automatic i think a lot of end users were worried i was a bit worried i thought how are they gonna you know do this but They've put a lot of thought into this and and on the pricing page on the uh on the pods pro website it shows that if you want a further discount on the pricing here, become an active friends of pods. So Scott is encouraging you in a way to contribute to the core projects where he's got no profits as far as I imagine. Maybe he's on some kind of salary situation there, but I, I know it's, I don't think anyone's any under illusions that he's, you know, uh, dining out and, and going on Caribbean holidays as a result of pods or anything like that. <laughs> but um He's, he's really nicely encouraging you to become an active friend of Pods, which is from $60 a year, and you'll get a further discount, dollar for dollar, towards a Pods Pro pack. 
So you'll actually get a bigger discount. You can save money by sending some of the money towards yeah. the active yeah. friends of pods, which is a wonderful, wonderful concept. And, you know, props to the, to Scott and everyone involved in this, because there was a lot of doubters that this was going to work, but this looks really promising. Yes. Yeah, so on the pricing page, if you go down below the, the, the two or the pricing table, which has just got two columns and you look for in the accordion, Will friends of pods get a discount? There's some more information in there. So essentially, you can, if you donate to the Pods Foundation, pick this up for for free. If you went in at seventy nine dollars or above, have I misunderstood that? Is there a cap? I I can't quite no, figure out the maths, but it seems that you get yep. Even yep. You, it's, it's better to actually become a friend yeah. of pods from yeah. one, even for you, even if you want to. If you don't become a friend of pods, I think you're probably going to spend more money. I think that's the way I've understood it, but I could yeah. be wrong here. Yeah. Bernard, if you're listening <laughs> at this moment, maybe a bit of clarification next time you're yeah. on, which uh, probably yeah. won't be too long. So um, interesting comment from Peter in the comments. Always a challenge to consider reasons for switching as a tool set user. Do I spend the time to find reasons to look into prods? But yeah, of course, this is the dilemma that we face in a, in a marketplace where multiple things ostensibly do the same thing but fascinating not only that this product now exists but also the pricing model that he's gone for encouraging people to go back and support the the bedrock of the whole operation pods itself so i think i think that's that's a really how to describe this it feels like a really moral position i like that mm. something yeah. very nice about that Shall we go to the next one then? Um, the next one. Yeah, very good. Did you have anything else to say on pods or are you good to? No, I'm good. No. Okay, cool. Uh, this one is probably a, a good one for you to. Um, we've probably co covered some of my my second level thoughts on this particular article, but there's an article on WordPress Tavern uh, by a chap called Justin Tadlock. Never heard of this guy before. You heard of him, Nathan? Well, now no? occasionally I read things out that he's written. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think maybe copies some of the stuff that we talk about on this show. Potentially Definitely that way around, yeah. <laughs> I think it's that way around, yeah. Anyway, this article by Justin Tadlock, who we regularly cover 90% 90 of our content, is probably uh, sourced from him in some way, has done a, a little article about a plugin called Custom Layouts. And it's a Custom Layouts plugin creates a post-display system for both the classic and the block editors. And this is... Uh, I think Justin's interest in this article is that it's uh, it's one of the first uh, plugins probably to use the block editor to create a kind of template layer that you can then use to create a list of posts. So there's plenty of plugins out there for you to, to help you create a list of posts in a grid or a masonry layout or something like that. And this one is fully... Uh, going in deep with the block editor to help you create the template level and then pull that list of posts into the, the front end. So it has a level of templating. It has a level of data um, with the query that you can apply. And then you have the presentation level on the front. So it's almost like that classic um, MVP. Is it? No, not MVP. I want to think of... Um, you know, I get mixed up with just, minimum we'll viable. Yeah, you know, <laughs> where you separate data, data uh, structure and content, and this this is interesting to me because um, at the beginning of this conversation, it backed up my argument that I think that uh, the template. This is an example of where the data and the and the content does seem like a really good idea to separate it, 
And to me, this is kind of like a great area of discussion for the core Gutenberg team to see what how they've done this and why this separation makes sense, even if other separations don't make sense. So, um, but obviously, you know, good good news for the creator of this plugin for creating a new plugin. I've I've segued their announcement to uh, my own agenda here about talking about templating and stuff like that. But the creator of this plugin is uh, also has a plugin called Search and Filter. Yeah. which has over 40,000 um, people using it in the, the free version. And I'm a massive fan of this plugin. I use the pro version, which is very, very reasonably priced. And it is a plugin that allows you to have a series, you know, whatever grid you've got on the page, you can filter those with drop downs, uh, checklists, uh, sorry, check buttons. What are they called? Check boxes. Uh, Checkboxes, <laughs> right? Radio <laughs> buttons yeah. and various other interface to filter your grids and your posts and stuff like that. Something like Facet WP. But Search and Filter Pro is definitely my my favorite one because it's so well priced as well. Uh, but yeah, lovely new plugin. Looks very interesting. I'm going to check it out, and it'll be interesting to see if what they're doing here can be replicated in the block editor in maybe a year's time or two years time. And that's what I'd love to see that somehow they can make it work. And, um, it it yeah. feels like a real strong contender for something like pods to to create inside the blocker. So I don't know if they already have that integration. I know that tool sets have enabled their their views functionality inside a custom block. So you can throw together this this sort of like they've done uh, it. Yeah. They've done it, yeah. Yeah. But pods, maybe. I don't know if they've done it already, but um I'm pretty sure that that in the page builder summit, Scott was talking about or Bernard was telling us at some point that they are having a, a good user interface for creating your grid of items in within the block editor. So it seems that this is one way to do it. And that I know Toolkit have nailed it. So it is possible to do it yeah. all in the block editor. So I'd, I'd be interested to see the difference and how people find uh, which is easier to use and what the future holds. Yeah, so you can check that piece out on WP Tavern. Anything to contribute there, uh, Birgit? No, I'm. Uh, I, I really like all the uh, innovation that is around the block editor, kind of to test its boundaries and kind of push it, push them a bit, and um, have alternative ways to do things. And that has been uh, quite interesting. Yeah, with Editor's Kit, uh, which yeah. is a plugin for uh, the block editor who extends the um, the core blocks uh, very nicely with additional styles and um, additional features. The same with Editor Plus by Munir Kamal. Yeah. Um, Editor's Kit is by Jeffrey Kerndang, mm -hmm. and then Munir Kamal with Editor Plus. So there are, and that is also very, I would say, yeah, the creativity around it is it's just exploded in the last two years. Yeah. And such an amazing r rapidity that both of those plugins have come on in leaps and yeah. bounds. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's not, not something I've d deliberately intentionally played with, but I, but Justin is obviously a big fan of writing up about both of those. And so we, we mm -hmm. get to see the updates yeah. via his screenshots, and they are extraordinary. I do actually have a local install of both of them, but it, it just never seems to be something that gets gets opened up and played with. Um, but I yeah. think what I like about those plugins, Edit Kit, and um, and also the one by Munia, um, I love how they're innovating with with the with the Gutenberg and the block editor, and that they're they're they they're not restrained by having to be part of a big discussion. They can just go, "I've got an idea. 
I'm going to put it out there and see what people think about it. I think that's the beauty of, you know, having the mix of the open source core project and then entrepreneurs and individuals on the outside doing things as well. And, and those things making waves and creating attention. And, and I think that in itself probably feeds back to the, the core team. I'm sure that those plugins must be discussed by the, by the core team and, and referenced by people because they, they've put so much effort into thinking about solving the core problems quickly that will hopefully, you know, in two or three years' time, be part of core in a very mature way as well. I don't know. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Um, Chris Hughes in the comments making a really interesting point from the perspective of a personal use versus an agency use. You know, the they change so rapidly. 100%. That yeah. um, he's sort of saying they change so rapidly that when he circles back, everything's different. And then he goes on to say the, they're good for your own site, but I would really be hesitant rolling them out for client sites. Um, finding new features before me, <laughs> where does this fit in? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, Christopher, don't blame you. Um, I'll do this too. Yeah, for our um, yeah clients, we just use the core um, part of the block editor and um, just kind of. And for the future, yeah, you will see this. It's it's kind of an, a reassurance for clients that uh, yeah. there are new things coming in. But going back to Jeffrey um, Munir and um, Jeffrey and Rich Tabor, they worked together mm. on the co-blocks that was bought by GoDaddy. And, um, and they were actually contributing quite extensively in the early days of Gutenberg because of their... Uh, own knowledge about the React and, and how blocks can help. So there is a back and forth. It's not only just somebody goes and does a plugin and then the, the core team kind of looks at that and says, how can we imply that, uh, um, implement that? Or it's also the other way around that say, okay, uh, okay I tried this out. Uh, what do you think about a PR on, on the uh, GitHub repo for the core block and then patch it in. Yeah. So yeah. there's a give and take with the whole community there. Yeah, really interesting point. So it's not just to say that, you know, these guys who are producing these plugins over here, they're not contributing to the core, which clearly they are. Didn't they do, didn't they collaborate on some kind of minimal markdown editor for? Oh, they have a product called Ice Builder. That's it, ice. No, iceberg, iceberg, iceberg. Iceberg, yeah, with a little yeah, penguin yeah. logo or something. Yeah, right. yeah. It's a, it's a writing tool on top of Gutenberg and kind of puts away all the distractions yeah. that you have. Yeah. And you can actually do it in a dark mode as well. Yeah. I really love it. When I do writing, I, I write in Iceberg. Yeah, I'm, Interesting. Uh, I'm just I using... a review on it on, on the Gutenberg Times. Uh, I'm just using core Gutenberg to do all writing because I just see it as the, the, the best interface. Actually, oddly, just before... Just before Gutenberg launched, I, I was actually using either Google Docs or a third-party solution and then just copying it all in. And as soon as I realized that you could move paragraphs and things in Gutenberg, that was it. I was I was all in. Um, yeah. And I, now I love it. I love it. For writing, I see it as the best interface out there at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, we're very – we're overrunning on time, which we always do. Birgit, are you cool for time or are you wishing to like, I'm, wind I'm it cool up? I'm cool for time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll press on. Uh, I wanted to answer more. a question from Peter. Oh, sorry. Uh, Peter Ingersoll, he's, he's saying that he uses uh, Toolset and he's, he's asking if he should um, consider looking into switching to Pods Pro. I would just say, Peter, what happened last time you tried to look at another tool? He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, First-hand knowledge there. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Peter, if it's not broken, don't fix it, I would say. Um, 
as as someone who is addicted to trying new things constantly, <laughs> I wasted a lot of time looking at the next shiny object. So if you're really happy with Toolset, and I think you're working with Generate Press as well, and you find that a really good combination, I would spend more time looking at doing other things than finding a replacement yeah. that's just like for like. I think we've all really got to stop doing point. that. <laughs> and also, by the time you get really good at something like the, the toolset suite of products, you are probably able to do a bunch of stuff by instinct that would take you absolutely yeah. ages and frustration with the UI. And, you know, it doesn't work the way you expect. Like when I moved from Drupal over to WordPress, it was this constant, but why doesn't it, why can't WordPress, but in Drupal it, you know, and I think you're right, Paul, that's sage advice. Um, and he said, uh, Peter in the comments says, I do. He knows what you're on about, but uh, I don't. But <laughs> let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Penultimate piece proper, but we might drop a surprise last article in. This is this is just a, a lovely, lovely thing uh, coming out of the WordFence uh, blog. And it is to say that WordFence have decided, I guess this is pure philanthropy. I, it certainly reads that way that they've decided that they're going to do free site cleaning for sites for K-12 public schools. Now, being in the UK, I don't really know what a K-12 school is, but I think it's what we would call a primary school. So it's almost like up to the age of 12, perhaps. That's why it's 12. Um, no? It's 12 school years. It's from uh, kindergarten to 12 school. Okay. So 12th uh, grade. Yeah. Does it encompass the the basic school system from, you know, starting right up until you would likely leave if you didn't want to go to university and what have you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank yeah. you. So that, okay, there we go. Perfect. Now we have them offering free site audits. Presumably a whole bunch of school sites are using WordPress. I know actually the school that my children go to, they've adopted WordPress on a recent update um, to, to for their school and a lot of the stuff. Um, presumably is of critical importance, especially now that we're in lockdown. And I'm guessing that's what this is all about, really. The fact that these websites really, really more than ever need to be up and running and clean and, you know, easy to use and allow the parents to download the data and the timetables and the lesson plans or whatever it is that's going on. So they're rolling it out and they've decided that they're going to, to keep it at the moment at 20 website cleans per week. Fingers crossed. Let's hope that they'll never reach that 20, but that's what they've earmarked. If you actually think about that, that's a lot of time if they're, if they're doing their full audit. They've also offered schools their service as well. Uh, let me not misquote them. It says, WordFence is committed to helping public schools safety provide, safely to provide education to the next generation. Each WordFest site cleaning and site audit is valued at $490. Effective immediately, off, uh, WordFence is offering the same services free of charge to public schools. Now, I misread that possibly as they were going to give the schools access to the plugin. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are. But um, anyway, it's just a nice, a nice gesture. Bravo, WordFence. Well done. I think, I think this is what's cool about this, in my opinion, is that it just raises the awareness level for the schools that are having these websites because. I know, I don't know what it's like in the States, but here in the UK, you do come across a lot of schools with quite amateur looking websites and you don't mind that the website doesn't look great and it doesn't look professionally designed, but you do have concerns just for the school itself that people who have got better things to do in the school might find themselves dealing with a malware infection and right. getting very panicked. They're already overworked 
And who deals with that in the school? Where do you go? What do you what do you do? And this to me is just fantastic if WordFence can raise the awareness of this and just get, you know, that that every school has an audit once a year. Maybe maybe Biden with you now he loves WordPress so much can can give every K twelve school uh, five hundred well four hundred ninety dollars to pay to WordFence or another company to do an annual audit. That'd be the, nice. The, the thing about this one, we mentioned earlier, the discoverability of projects like the full side editing project. This is just one that could so easily go under the radar. So if you are listening to this and you have children at a school in the US, which is qualifying, just why not just phone them up and tell them that they can have yeah. this? Because, you know, it's there. It's free. They're offering it. It's a great gesture. And why not? Why not? You know, there might it might already be infected in some way. And WordFence... We know they can clean this stuff up. That's their day job. They do it all the time. We've been doing it for so long and yeah. doing it so well, and they're always trailblazing on on this kind of stuff. So many other organisations that are involved in security get their information from the WordFence blog uh, because they actively go out there and find these problems. Yeah, great. The, th the great. thing is, yeah. the, old, the thing is that the, the the people who are governing schools and running schools they won't, I'm guessing, be visiting the WordFence blog post about this particularly frequently. So spread the word. If you've got kids, go on, spread the word. Um, anything about that, Birgit, or should we move on? No, move on. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, this is uh, two, two sort of personal plugs. I'm sorry about that, but here we go. Um, the first one is, I just thought this was a really nice uh, podcast episode that we did. It was with um, Seward Blom who was part of the many people involved in organizing Word Fence, uh, Word Fence, Word Camp <laughs> Europe uh, in 20, now let me get this right, 2020, the one which was canceled due to COVID. And we had an episode where we talked about not only what it takes to set up a word camp but what it what it actually takes to cancel a word camp what it actually takes to de demolish it and deconstruct it and then make it go online um obviously everything has gone online for the last period we had word fest last week which was an absolute oh just such a beautifully organized event i think as time goes on all of these organizations are sort of learning from each other and, and perfecting these online events but it's just a lovely episode with Seward about that, um, what was involved, what they did, who who had to be sort of like, you know, just little things that you don't think about, like you've got to return your sponsorship money um, and you've got to try and get them back on as a sponsor for the online event or will they just flop straight over? It's just, just a lovely little chat. Um, the one that was cancelled. Yeah, this is... Uh, uh, That's what I'm uh, sniggering at. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> the one that was cancelled due to COVID. Is that a new Friends episode? Yeah. <laughs> like it. Very good. Um, and then finally, uh, I'm just... Do you know what? I'm not going to do the one that I was going to do, and finally, because I'm not 100% sure I want to say about it yet. So I'm going, I should just stop talking and say there's no unfinally. We're done. That's it. <laughs> We're finished. Thank you. That was a really nice episode full of really interesting insights, um, especially from Birgit, as we've not heard her voice before over here oh, on WP you. Builds and telling us a load of stuff that we misunderstood. So that was really, really nice. Just before we go, anything happening to you, Birgit, this week? No, apart from the live Q&A this week um, and Friday, um, I want everybody to come, of course, yeah, and learn about full-site editing and how the themes are affected by that. Um, other than that, um, yeah, it's going to be a busy week. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Lee, thank you so much for having me. It's a, a utter delight to to talk to you and yeah. uh, discuss things with you. Yeah. No. Well, thank you. I'm sure we'll make the effort to have you on again, should you wish to. But the the thank link you. to Birgit's event, well, Birgit and others' event, is in the show notes. It's a Bitly link, but uh, it should take you to the registration form where you can find out more. We'll be back with Paul Lacey. Anything you want to throw in at the end there, Paul? Uh, we should probably plug our friend Matt Medeiros. Because uh, he just released a what oh. it's got to be episode episode of the decade, I think. I'd... Yes, you're right. It's probably the, I would say it's probably the best media that's been created in the, in well in a lifetime. Uh, it involves yeah. well, I'm not going to say. I don't want to just go and listen. So to yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Madeiras on the Matt Report. Inter- I'm going to say it. He, inter- <laughs> he interviewed you and I about uh, this show actually and and WordPress in general, which was really enjoyable. And I think it was released yesterday. Yeah. So if anyone wants to hear more rambling and 19 minutes isn't enough for you, then there's another 30 minutes yeah. available on that If you haven't enjoyed show. this, definitely don't go and listen to that. I shouldn't say that because the Matt Report is something beautiful. Um, go and check it out. That's really nice. Yeah, thank you. I'd forgotten about that. But um, we will we'll mm. plug it. The Matt Report. It's mattreport.com. You can go and download the episodes over there. We'll be back. I'm going to have a podcast episode out on Thursday. It's either going to be an interview episode or it'll be an episode with me and David Wormsley uh, droning on about a letter of the alphabet. But we'll be back here next week, 2 p.m. UK time, talking about this week in WordPress. For now, thank you for making the comments. Thanks for joining us. Really, really a pleasure to have you all on. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.